Police responded to a 911 call. Dramatic video of gun insanity in the Bronx. Police releasing a new video of a person that they are still trying to track down. Defund the police is not the answer. Many people surveyed said they just don't feel safe in the city. It's a shooting outside of a store. This is Bo Deedles. True crime. Police this morning are searching for the person who turned this Harlem platform to a crime scene. A Red Apple Media Podcast Network production. Now, here's Bo Deedle. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Bo Deedle's True Crime Story. Now, today I have a real personal friend of mine. I met him many years ago when I was up in the 2-5 when I got dumped out of street crime, I think the second or third time, I don't really remember. And he has some great history behind him. He's a cop's cop, and his little fast overview about him. He's an American, Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican, right, Joe? Puerto Rican American, yeah. That's one. Okay, Puerto Rican. I like American Puerto Rican. Americans first okay. and Puerto Rican second. Okay. Joe is a former New York City cop. Joe has done everything. Part of his life was, and he was mobilized. I call it mobilized because he lived everywhere. His mom moved around something like 20 something times from the Bronx all the way, all over New York City. And he never really had a home for a long period of time. And he was a, comes from a really good family. He became a New York City cop. But prior to that, he served our country. He went to Vietnam where he was wounded, got the Purple Heart, and he was a real American hero over there. And he came back from Vietnam, and he joined the police department there, and he worked with me up in East Holmways. But the most important thing I want to talk to you about, you know, with all these cop-killing people that are all out of jail, I don't think there's one yet that's still in jail. Now, you remember, and his name is Joe Sanchez. And Joe, say hi, okay, buddy? Hey, hi, Bo, and thank you. Like I said, you know, thank you for, for inviting me. And I was a Port Authority cop and, and a New York State Correctional Officer. Right. Remind. And ba- basically, you know, be, with all these cop kills getting out, I want to start there. And then your story is very extraordinary because what happened to you is a definitely a miscarriage of justice. And for some reason, the, the timing wasn't great. And today, I'm sure that this would have been looked at, and I'm sure you would have been restated a long time ago. But the the point I want to bring out is the involvement. Back in 1971 and 2 or 70, 71, we had 11 cops killed one year and 13. One of the most horrible one I remember was Forster and Laurie. And I think you had a personal involvement with that, Joe. And this is when this piece of garbage stood over one of the cops there. Uh, I think it was uh, Laurie. And he was executing him on the sidewalk as he was pleading for his family. Joe, why don't you bring us to your involvement with that. And then we're going to go into your career and we're going to talk about an attorney that's been trying to help you get cleaned up from the mess that you got into. But let's start with the Forster and Laurie murder and your involvement, Joe. Go ahead. Yeah, well, Laurie and Forster, they, they were shot and killed. They were executed. Uh, and that was by uh, 23-year-old Twyman Fort Myers, a stone killer. He was 23 years old and he was properly taken out in the Bronx at 625 Titton Avenue, where the FBI and New York City detectives finally grabbed him coming out of his building. And he fired first. He, he pulled a 9mm, and he was hit multiple times in the chest, and they were able to take him out. 
But well, I, re- I remember, that- I remember, they, he was running around out there for a long period of time. He was tormenting the cops, come and get me, and all that. And then finally, right. he t- he bought it. And I, I was on the job then, and I remember he was like everyone was fearing him. I mean, we had emergency service cops, and uh, we had many dozens of guys looking for him, and they finally came up with him in the Bronx. And he he was one of the guys that didn't get out of jail, thank God, because he went to hell faster than going to jail. Right. Before then, eight months prior to this was Herman Bell. He was also a stone cold blooded killer. And he and Albert Washington and Anthony Button, they were the ones back in May 26th of 1971 by the old Polo Ground Project. They assassinated Joseph A. P. Argentini and Waverly Jones. And they put Waverly Jones, I mean, he went down, he was dead before he hit the ground. And Joseph A. P. Argentini, who had two little girls, he begged for his life, and they just shot him, took his gun, and also used his gun to really destroy his body. And that's and these guys claim that they were fighting for a cause, that they are they were political uh, prisoners. That's a disgrace. That's a terrible incident. And he, I remember he was on the ground begging for his life, telling, and they would they shot him in his private areas, and they yes. just destroyed this man as he was pleading for his life. These are the freedom fighters. Yeah. Yes, and uh, of course, eight months later was the Rocco Laurie incident on 11th Street and Avenue B, where I happened to be a Port Authority police officer at the time. And I remember because I was coming, I was I drove through there. I would say minutes before the incident, before the shooting, because my father lived on Second Street between Avenue B, uh, Avenue A and B, and I lived in uh, uh, Madison Street in the projects with my wife, and I had two children at the time before I had four. But anyway. I remember that night. It was such a bad scene. I mean, what they were doing to these officers. I mean, they were killing officers in San Francisco. You name it. And of course, later on, they got involved. They got involved at the Nanuet National Bank Mall, the, the 1981 Brinks robbery, with with Kathy Boudin, who was let out after 23 years, and she was she became a professor at Columbia. Yeah. And her son was just uh, recalled. Not well, I, I think Timothy Bottoms became a professor somewhere too. He was doing speeches. They had he got out of jail, and he was doing speeches in the college upstate. If I'm not wrong. Yeah, these guys were just like it, like it never happened, mm. like it never happened. And What'd then you? we have uh, then we have my friend Andrew Glover and Frederick Reddy, mm-hmm. and uh, they they were shot and killed on I've been being Fifth Street, and I happened to uh, I went after the, the killer. Louis Serrano Velez, and I met up with Louis after he did the 13 years in federal prison. This, this is an the, extraordinary story. Now, you end up mm-hmm. hunting these guys down to kill the two cops, and then you mm-hmm. come, and you now your life changed, and we're going to get into that a little bit in a mm-hmm. little bit, but now all of a sudden you're up in Sing Sing prison. Am I correct? I broke the police call of silence, and then in the end, they wouldn't give me back my job because of that. And now I'm a correction officer back in Sing Sing, and I come across— uh, What year was uh, this, Joe? The year that I was— uh, No, what year were you in Sing Sing? 1989. I spent a year and a half there, and then I went to Kaksaki State Prison to work there. But at Sing Sing in 1989, I was there when Louis Velez, who killed Laurie—excuse me, uh, Louis Velez, who killed— Glover and Reddy came in after doing 15 years of federal prison for bank robbery. Now he comes into my life when I was a correction officer at Sing Sing. And what happens with your interaction with him, Joe? Well, later on, I I interviewed, I talked to him, and he actually told me exactly how he killed the officers, uh, how he drove on Avenue B. He was coming in with his uh, buddy, parked his car. His buddy got off right on Fifth Street and Avenue B. He continued on to make a right 
on Fist Tree when Glover and Reddy, Glover was the driver. He was driving Sergeant Frederick Reddy, and they uh, they pulled him over. And he told me exactly how he killed these two cops. Well, why did he say he killed these two officers for pulling him over? What reason? Well, he was he, he was wrong. He was high. He says, Joe, I was high on coke. I go, I was paranoid. I had my gun in my waistband. I had to cover with my African shirt. Et cetera, et cetera. Now, was he part of the BLA at that time? No, no. He was just, uh, he was a drug dealer committing robberies in the Williamsburg section up at Manhattan. And when he was pulled over, you know, he panicked. He wanted a way out and he wound up shooting these two cops before they had a chance because he was wanted for bank robbery. Uh, so he ends up killing the two cops because, like I said, they kind of blend in together when the amounts, I think it was 11 and 13 in two years. I remember that distinctly because I was a new rookie cop at that time. So now right, basically right. your life is there. So now I want to bring people. So before we end from the cop killing, we know that Timothy Bottoms has been released along with every other cop killer that has ever been incarcerated. Am I correct? I don't think there's one in there left. No. Not that I know of. I mean, they're they're cutting these guys loose like uh, God. It's it's it, it's a shame. I know I I know. Herman Bell spent what forty six years. Louis Velez, who killed Glover and Reddy, he passed. He passed three years ago. Mm. He died three years ago. He's out of the picture. But no, it's it's just that these liberal, uh, you know, politicians and the parole like board. I mean, it comes down to the parole board because they're the ones that make the decision to be released. And these liberal people on the parole board are just going along with Andrew Cuomo and uh, Hochul Yokel here, Governor Hochul, and this is what they put on the parole board. People that are going to be releasing all these criminals. It's not about the victims anymore, uh, Joe. You're down in Florida now. You're not seeing what's going on in this city and the state. And, of course, the only places that it's not happening is in Florida and Texas. But across this country, the same crap about the negativity against police officers. How do you feel as being a former New York City cop to see what's going on with these poor cops, especially in New York City and San Francisco, L.A., and all over the country. I feel pretty bad about it. At least we have a governor here. We have a governor in Florida. Who cares? You don't come down here and mess with the cops. I mean, listen, you have good and bad in all professions. You have some cops that shouldn't be on the job, but your average cop is a good, honest, caring person who wants to go out there and serve and protect. And if New York had a governor like uh, we have, I think things would be much, much better. DeSantis is my favorite, is my pick to be the the next president of the United States. And I say it right out. I know Trump 40 years, time to back off Donald, let the new guy. He says everything right. And then when you get a moron like Kamala Harris that talks about, oh, the black community should get more relief and should be saved more with our... We don't look at bodies or color of skin. When you're saving people or victims of a horrific tragedy like the hurricane, we save all victims. We don't say, oh, you're black, we're not going to save you. Oh, you're white, we're going to save you ahead. Of-. That's bull crap. And it gets me pissed off that you get a moron, a moron like Kamala Harris that talks this way when people are going through the most horrific disaster of Florida in a long, long time. And it hurts me having a lot of loved ones down in Florida, you know. Oh. I know, I know. And listen, if I may also mention Christopher Hoban, who was uh, undercover, a uh, 26-year-old police officer who uh, at 19 West 105th Street was killed while he was making a, a drug buy with his partner. I came across his killer at Sing Sing also. I spoke to his... Uh, what year his, was uh, that, Joe? That was, uh, when was it, when was it uh, October 1888? 1988. That's when, yeah, that's where uh, uh, Michael Bulsik... From the uh, 3-4 was also killed on 161st Street 
brought by by some drug dealers also. Yeah. So now basically, you know, we, we have time in the show now. I think it's important. You're, you're quite a guy. And when he labels super cops and, you know, I was pretty active in my career. And uh, Joe, I know you were very active. I mean, the miscarriage of justice that came upon you was something that people can't believe. They watch Serpico. They watch all these other movies being made about people. But you certainly, with the advent of what happened to you, why don't we go over it? And I think this story is very important because this is true crime stories and I think it's a true crime what has happened to you Joe so let's breathe into the abbreviated thing of what happened to you Joe Sanchez as a New York City police officer go ahead Joe yeah well I was involved in seven shootings I wound up shooting four different individuals up in Washington Heights which I had no choice and they had guns but back in 1981 April 81 my partner and I remember less we made a drug bust at 162nd Street we arrested six drug dealers when we processed, when we were processing the the, uh, the arrest at the precinct, one of the uh, drug dealers alleged that I, I ripped them off. When internal affairs came in and spoke to the other five drug dealers, they said, no, Sanchez never ripped us off. The so the drug dealers were making allegations, which they always one, do. One made it. One Go made ahead. It. But later on, they were facing time for, for the arrest that Herman Velez and I made. And uh, they turned them around. All of them went to a grand jury and said that I ripped them off. I you stole myself, money from them. Go ahead. Yeah, that I ripped them off and I sold at one of the drug dealers. And that's impossible. When I called for backup, that apartment was full of other cops. I did not do such thing. But they wanted me out because I had prior to this, I broke the police call of silence. I reported two corrupt uh, uh, NYPD, my boss and my lieutenant, for corruption. And that did it. That sealed it for me. Well, what kind and of corruption were they involved in, the the police lieutenant well, that you gave them? You well, know, that the, you... The, the, the lieutenant was out there coming in on a off-duty time, grabbing a, a police car, doing his thing, getting guns for friends. Go on his hand to the Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean getting guns for? You got to let people understand what you're saying, Joe. Well, when you're getting guns, in other words, supplying guns, because as a cop, you can find you can find a gun anywhere on a job. Hide it, keep it. And if you want to give it to a buddy, you do. You talk about a throwaway gun or something like yes. that. Yes, yes. So, so, what, so when you learned about this, what made you decide to wear a wire and get these guys that were doing the criminal well, activity? Well, I, I also saw a photo of him having sex with young girls from Santa Domingo because they would fly to Santa Domingo, you know, have sex with young women. Were they involved the with the drug dealers? As far as the lieutenant was? Yeah. That I didn't know. All I knew that he was supplying guns and having sex with young girls underage mm-hmm. underage and that was in, and i saw the photo that was enough for me to tip off internal affairs so you went and to I, internal affairs and this this is one or two lieutenants that's the lieutenant okay that's, that's the lieutenant and I, I had the information i met with one of the guys he was dealing with he was dealing with a, a, a supermarket a bodega owner whose the lieutenant was doing favors for and the bodega would, uh, owner would tell me that, uh, that, he, that he would fly him to uh, Santo Domingo. They would do things in regards to these young women, et cetera, et cetera. So I had the information on the lieutenant on a wire. Mm-hmm. And Internal Affairs told me they were, not to worry that they were going to handle this. But it turned out that the lieutenant and the captain would tip off of what I was doing. And somehow they went back to my old case. Now, what year was, is this, Joe? I'm talking about 1980. 82, 83. Okay, so 82, 83, this is when this all comes down. Go ahead. Yeah, that's where it all came down. And uh, uh, I get a call later on that by internal uh, affairs to come down to Poplar Street because what I, the arrest that Herman Velez and I had made in regards to these other drug dealers back in 82 of April 13, they had turned the tables on me. All of them, 
all of them told the grand jury that I had ripped them off. Not Herman. Herman didn't exist. I, I, I was the only guy. They charged me with burglary in the first degree and nine counts of grand lottery and assault in the third degree. And it was an embarrassment for me and my family. We went. You were a, you were actually arrested, uh, Joe. I was arrested. I was arrested. Handcuffed, was handcuffed, Joe. No, they did me the favor. I reported to Poplar Street and turned in my guns, my ID. But they escorted me to Manhattan over the bridge. We went over to the central booking, and it was embarrassed because I used to make a lot of arrests. I was called the arrest machine. And when they saw me coming in, they thought I was coming in with the internal affairs. That they were the they were the, they, they were thought you were locking up the internal affairs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was very embarrassing for me. And then, of course, I went up to... Uh, Did they have Central Booking then, Joe? Or were you oh, up? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I went to uh, Tombs. 100, 100 Center Street. Uh, uh, the pictures taken on me, the beat number. Then I went across the street to see uh, the, uh, for, for the arraignment with my PBA lawyer. And that's when they brought uh, Silvio Perry, who was an undercover cop that was arrested for taking $50. He beat it. But uh, what I'm trying to say... No, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Bring, bring the people listening... Well, how does he fit in here, Silvio Perry? Well, when I was waiting to be arraigned, I wanted to go home, and my PBA lawyer, I tell her, listen, what's taking so long? Well, we got another cop coming in who was arrested, another cover cop. I said, had nothing to do with you. Had nothing to do with me, but it made good publicity in the newspaper. <laughs> it made it look like I was with this guy. So in other words, they, in the newspaper, it had you get locked up, Silvio Perry, so they're cracking down on corrupt cops, quote-unquote, yes, right? Yes, and yeah. Thomas Duffy was the prosecutor at the time, and his henchmen, Joe Hesser was the one that did me, and they knew I had immunity because when I arrested the drug dealer, Herman Velez, when we testified at the grand jury, since I didn't waive my immunity, which means I told the DA what, uh, what the drug dealer is alleged that I did, the one particular drug dealer, and instead of him uh, telling me, well, you're going uh, to have to sign uh, this paper that says you waive your immunity, anything co comes out of this case, we can indict you. He never told me that. So when these drug dealers got indicted, the law says you can never touch me. You can never touch your Sanchez or his partner. But what happened was... When I broke the police code of silence, they didn't care. So when Duffy, Duffy knew we can't indict Joe Sanchez, he never waived his immunity. He said, but we're going to indict him anyway. They broke the law to indict me for something I didn't do. And, and then, uh, of course, Joe Hines later became the new special prosecutor. And he said, what did they do to this kid? So he, he dropped. He dismissed my whole indictment, and I was ready to go back on the job. Benjamin Wall was told he's innocent. Look, he's been excited. You got juries, uh, juries writing letters. So you were exonerated of all criminal charges, Joe. Yes, yes. And even the newspaper backed me up. The Daily News called me the arrest. Did you have a department was... trial, Joe, as far no, as? No, they didn't want to give me one because if they had given me one, it would have opened up a can of worms of what they did to me. A can of worms. So you never so had a department trial, Joe? No, they just no, fired you? They just fired me. So I went to the appellate court, an article, uh, what do you call it, uh, Article uh, 87. Mm -hmm. And when the case was over, the lawyer for the city, she comes over to me. This was, I went in front of the appellate court, Madison yeah. Street. She said, may I speak to you? I mean, I, I represent the city, but I got, I got to get this off my chest. So I said, what's the problem? He said, listen, I got to get that off my chest. I represent the city, but I want you to know, I want you to know that, may I use this word? And I don't like, bro, I don't like the curse. But how, may, I, may I use this one word that you use? Yeah, used? you can use it, go ahead. Okay, she said, I just want you to know, I want to get this off my chest. I represent the city, but they f***ed you. They f***ed you, and I hope you get your job back. And I'm saying to myself, here's, a, here's the attorney for the city also telling me how I got wrongfully accused of some crime I never commit, and they won't give me back my job. Mm. They won't give me back my job. So she, she, she kind of concurred that you got screwed over. Yes. yes. All right. So now you get fired. What is the feeling you had, 
Joe, walking around with a badge and a gun, trying to help people, and now all of a sudden you're the criminal. How was your feeling, Joe? I mean, did you ang- was it anger? Was it feeling sorry for yourself? What was your feeling, Joe? Because I can't imagine. And God knows if they had these video cameras, uh, cell phones, I would have been fired too. So I, I just can't believe the feeling that you would have had. I felt terrible for my family, especially for my family. They embarrassed. were embarrassed when they locked me up. But I, again, even up at Havistraw, the journalists did a, a story on me when I was locked up. And then they did a good story on how I was unjustly treated. They, great story. The Daily News backed me up. I felt pretty bad. I mean, uh, what could I do? And I became a mailman for three years, and all I could carry was... So you, were, so you, were, you became a mailman? Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> all I had for my protection was a dog spread. I used to run into drug dealers. I had locked up. <laughs> what could I do? But eventually, I got the opportunity. I applied for the Department of Correction, and they, they welcomed me on the job. The board saw what the city did to me and said, boy, they really screw you down there. Welcome to the department. Well, if you did something that bad, you wouldn't have been able to go on the corrections department. No, no, no. I went through a, a board and said, how did they do this to this fellow? And then and uh, I, I, was, I know you for a long time, but I met you when we were on the force together. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you were always an active guy. But, you know, I've been living this with you, and you, this has been like the nightmare that you're, you're a little older than me, a couple of years older than me. But this is a constant ni- nightmare that you've been fighting. And all you want to do is to, you're, the, you're not looking to get money back. All you're looking no, no, for is to get cleared. To, I'm trying to name a, 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 a name clearing that my good friend, Joe Murray, a retired NYPD Police officer, Joe Murray is a lawyer. He's my lawyer. He's my God sent. A great lawyer. He's, he's trying to get, and I talked to Joe. Joe's a very fine lawyer, and he believes in your plight by craziness. I mean, he really believes in it. It's, you talk about miscarriage of justice. I mean, this is what happened to you. And I just heard the other day my friend Ray Kelly just got a back pay. Uh, he retired as a commissioner, <laughs> and he gave him a disability pay retroactive like 25 years ago. I mean, I hear these things happening, but I mean, this is something that cries out for justice. And I, I look, you're not even looking for the money. You're looking just I to don't clear. Want no money. I just want a name clearing. And he wants to reach out to Adams. Hey, Adams, come on. You were a cop. Look what they did to Joe. This is unbelievable. Come on. Uh, they, I mean, uh, I made it through Vietnam. I got wounded on my 20th birthday. I wanted to serve my country, and I did, and I come home, and I wanted to be a, uh, NYPD so much. I got the opportunity to become a Port Authority for three years first, mm. and then I went into the NYPD. I took that test in 68. I loved that job. I love serving and protecting. You know how it feels to go out there, and you know when you catch a bad guy and you prevent them from committing another crime, mm-hmm. and especially, like you, you did it with the non-incident. It's a euphoric feeling when you catch such a bad, evil person. And actually, victims would actually come up to me and say, thank you for being there. You know what it feels like, Bo. Yeah, yeah. No, I just, I couldn't even, you know, it's just something in my heart that I really share with you because I was there. And, you know, back then, as I keep repeating, you know, I, I didn't kill anybody, Joe. I was able to use my, you know, strength to overcome a lot of right, people. Right. But in reality, you know, some of them took a couple of shots that were justifiable shots. And one guy shot at me five times, Joe, threw the gun down, and I couldn't even get my gun out fast enough, and he didn't know how to shoot. And he goes, you got me. I said, got you. I got him right to Metropolitan Hospital, and if there was a video camera on me, I'd be in jail. 
That's it. Well, but I, I but, understand, but God was protecting you. God yeah. was protecting you. Well, it was a different yeah, era. Was, we had support. Cops were supported. We had, we had support. That's a, but let me tell you, during my trial, you know what it is? To, when the jury comes out and I'm facing years in prison for burglary in the first degree. But I was working in uniform because I had a, I had a gun. They charged me for burglary in the first degree. Now, now people are listening. Burglary in the first degree means if you commit a burglary in a house, a resident, and you have a weapon, that's burglary in the first degree. Yes. And he's yes. now Joe is a cop in uniform, and they charge yes. him with that. Yes, the guy at the door, the drug dealer in the door, we saw him with a gun, okay? And we rushed him. We rushed him. He, he dropped the gun when I tell him, drop the gun or I'll Did shoot. Did you lock him up drop. with the gun too, Joe? Yes, we had him. We had him. So you locked and him up with a loaded gun, and then he yes. makes an allegation you took his money. <laughs> no, another guy in the apartment, not him. Because when he was interviewed, he said, I did nothing wrong. <laughs> I never took his money. He told uh, John Verber, the uh, lieutenant from FIAU, all the other drug dealers, says, Joe Sanchez did not do anything wrong. Oh, man. They told him that night. They told him that night. What and, night? Uh, of yeah. course, later on, that's when they changed his story because they were facing a long time in prison. So they but let, them, they let them, them cooperate, and then I am guarantee you they dropped the, charges you, on them. They they dropped the damn charges on loaded gun, drugs, and everything, and they and dropped they the charges me. to indict you, the cop. Indict me because I broke the police call of silence. That was it. <laughs> that was it. And during my trial, my wife was there. My, my kids went to my, my first day of my trial. And then I told him, no, let's keep them home because this is going to get dirty. You know, they're going to try to make me look as dirty as I can. But one of the jurors fell in love with my kids, and she spoke off for me. And she even went on. She was interviewed by my friend Susanna B. Troy. I mean, uh, uh, she interviewed a lot of cops that support me. Hmm. There's a lot of videos uh, of officers that support me. Bring Joe back. Give him back his They stole my pension. They stole my pension. And when you're standing there and a jury comes in and you're facing time and they say burglary in the first degree, not guilty. I mean, that was a load off my chest. Now, uh, on the NYPD, how long were you actually on the NYPD? I was in, I spent 12 years, 10 years on patrol and two years trying to get my, you know, while I was suspended without pay. Mm. Mm. I, I had to work for home security. I had, and when I work, when I was working for home security, and I became a supervisor. They had me guarding this millionaire's place down at, uh, what do you call it, Sutton Place by the by the 59th Street Bridge. Yeah. I had the whole house because he was in Europe, and they tried to burglarize his place. And here I am protecting a, a guy's rich man's home from being burglarized, and I was facing it. Uh, I, I was indicted for burglary in the first degree. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, and I tell you, Joe, I, I, you know, I cried once because not for me. I cried for my family. I said, they're not trying to send me to prison. And I go to prison, I'm going to meet up with guys I locked up. But fortunately, God was on my side. And I, I, be, I went to prison, but as a correction officer, and I met guys I locked up. And I, I, and I was assaulted four times at Sing Sing. And so, then, and say prison, I saved an inmate's life. I saved a black inmate's life who was being stabbed by a Latino officer. And that uh, inmate almost stabbed me. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you something, Joe. I know you a long time. We met when I was on the job up there in the 2-5, and, uh, you know, you've been my friend for a long, long time, and I'm very supportive of you, and I, I hope that I can see the day when justice will be served in your behalf as far as the real facts will be come will come out and that you will be exonerated from this. And again, that great lawyer, former cop, what's his name? Joe Murray. What a great guy, Joe Murray. But let me tell you something. Remember, you ran for mayor. 
You had told me if I win, Joe, I'm going to reinstate you. I would have been, I would have done that in a second, but yes. they didn't vote for me. So, <laughs> but in reality, right now, you know, this thing ain't over yet because I still got a little few breaths in me. And matter of fact, I'd like to bring this attention to I. You know, I've helped the current mayor tremendously from the beginning, from when he ran for state senator back in the '90s, raised his first hundred grand, and then borough president. And you know what? They've actually asked me over the course of him being elected and his top people, Bo, what do you want? What do you want to be? I said, I don't want to be nothing. All I want to be, I want to help people again. And mm-hmm. New York City's my city. Hey, it could be easy for me to pack up and move to Florida. I'm a fighter. I almost got into it last night. I had some guy with a motorbike there, almost ran over one of the uh, union people there that are working on movie set, and these are Teamsters. And the guy was going after him, and, uh, and I said to him, I said, listen to me, you go away. He had a gash in his head because he, he he ran through a red light and he went on the sidewalk and he flipped over on his bike and he had a nice gash in his head and he comes over, he goes to the guy, I want some paper. I said, what do you mean you want paper from, from the guy, from the Teamster? And he goes, you pulled out without signal. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. So I come out of the car, I still had, I had my nine millimeter on. And he looks at me, I said, whoa, 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 you want paper? What do you mean? You know, paper. Like he wanted the guy to give him money. I said, well, first of all, you got a motorbike there with no license plates. You got no license. I said, I think you should get the F out of here and just go mm-hmm. on your merry old way. You know, if I called the cops, you know what would have happened? They wouldn't have done nothing. And that could have been a very, very bad situation. If this guy's yeah. had a piece on him, who knows? Bo Deedle, one tough cop, could have had one in his chest. And I'm sure there wouldn't have been an inspector's funeral for me. But no, no. I'm no, sure no, everybody no. wouldn't be sad about it. But i tell you the truth. You know what? I'm living in this city. And the most important thing is, Joe, with this whole conversation, I'm going to try with all my heart to bring this back up to the powers to be, the reinstatement there would be a nice little thing for your family. Get a few buckaroos too, with some back pay too, Joe. So don't be that don't be that readily looking for money. Well, look at when you're giving out fifty million dollars to those creeps that were robbing people in Central Park, the Central Park Five that were robbing people. They didn't get caught raping the girl, and they gave fifty million dollars for robbing and beating people up, Joe. You should certainly get some sort of no, I, uh, money I back. That you, I appreciate the letter you wrote saying Joe Sanchez should not be a, a movie. It should be a TV series, TV series because he got too many stories, yeah. one after another, one after another. All right, Joe. Looks like our time is up. But again, I want everybody to understand Joe Sanchez is his name. Anybody wants to make contact, where? how can they get to you, Joe? Uh, my email is bluewall at mpinet.net, bluewall at m. P-I-Net.net. My website is www.bluewallnypd.com. That's my website. And they can Google Joe Sanchez NYPD to read my Wikipedia page. Joe Sanchez NYPD or just playing Joe Sanchez and read my whole life story. And there's videos that I've done with my good friend Joe Murray. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been on police off the cuff with Mark DeMeo. Great guy. All right, Great Joe. Guy. Again, like always, always a pleasure to speak with you. And I know you're still playing softball. How old are you now? I'm 85, going on 86. Now, how old are you, son of a gun? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm 75, going on 76. And you're still playing uh, uh, softball. God bless you. And uh, remember one thing. The most important thing in life is your health and your family's health. Uh, God bless your family and everybody. And uh, this story might not be over yet. This might have a good ending. Always remember, always Keep the faith, Joe. And I love you, and God bless you and your family, Joe. Thank you for love coming you on too, the show. Bo. Thank you, Bo. God bless you, my brother. Thank All right. You. Bye-bye now. Bye now.